Thank you. Thank you, Pam, for reminding me uh, that apostasy means that you're turning away from a, a, a set belief. You're turning, uh, you're denying essentially a belief. And the marriage in this imagery is very common in the Old Testament. Remember, we went through when we were going through the uh, uh, minor prophets, how often that came up. Um, this idea of marriage, that the Lord is, is his marriage, intimate covenant with his people. Um, now, in verse 3, it says, Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. Now, there is a there is a feast called first fruits. Um, it's called Sukkoth, or uh, yeah, Sukkoth, or if you prefer the Hebrew pronunciation. Uh, and, when they, and it's also called the Feast of Booths. Uh, it's also in, in our tra tradition, it's called Pentecost. But if, um, if Israel is the first fruits of the harvest, what does that imply? If Israel is the first fruits. Yeah, you have first fruits. Right. I love this thing. Um, what does that imply? Comes first, the most privileged. Well, it's first, but what does first mean? Can you have a first? If you have a first unique thing i mean the first of, of there's no sequence no, there first is. implies there's a second right at first, least first belongs to the lord that's what it is. right but i mean the idea of having a first fruit has an implication that there is a second and mm -hmm. that's the covenant when we talked about covenants last week we were talking about this that the whole idea of the covenant was that Israel was supposed to show the Lord to all people. It was supposed to be the first group, the yeah, first yeah. people who went to the Lord. And the idea now is that he, um, that Israel is going to show other people what this relationship and this covenant with God is all about. Um, so there is a second fruit that's actually up us. Or the second fruit? Yeah, or the next fruits. All right. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the clans of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord, what wrong did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and went after worthless and became after worthlessness and became worthless? They did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up out from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness, in the land of deserts and pits, in the land of drought and deep darkness, in the land that none passes through where no man dwells. And I brought you into a plentiful land and to enjoy its fruits. But when you came in, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. All right. So there is a sense of ingratitude. There is a sense of really stupidity on the part of the people of God that they don't give gratitude for um, uh, what they have been given, that they are sort of forgetting what God has done. The, uh, the the word in verse five and went after uh, is is basically became a the Hebrew there means became a vassal of became a subject of worthlessness. Hmm. Uh, so you they made worthlessness almost their king, and and they therefore when they make worthlessness their king they are worthless. Okay. <clears throat> You defiled my land, and this Where is about idolatry, verse 7, and made my heritage an abomination. And then he points out four groups of people that are responsible for this, verses 8 through 8. And uh, basically, verse 8, 
What are they? The priests. The priests, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the priests. The prophets. The prophets. Prophets, right? Couldn't hear the question. Okay. What are the four classes of people that are responsible for this mess? In verse eight, all in verse eight? Yeah, all in verse eight. Okay. The leaders. The leaders, right? There's the temporal, there's the leaders, temporal leaders. Temporal. Right, leaders. Okay. There's the leaders, the prophet, the priest. The leaders, the prophet, the priest. Right. And there's one other group. It's in verse eight? Yeah. In verse eight. Those who handle the law. The, the ones who deal with the law? Right, handle the law. That okay. refers to the Levites. Even though they're priests, but the Levites were the people who were the day-to-day, -day, they were day-to-day -day responsible for bringing the, uh, the, the law and putting the law in front of people. Uh, the, the priests were more ceremonial. They did a lot of the, the ritual stuff. That that's refers to us, uh, the high priest in that group in the temple. But there were Levites everywhere. And those people, each town had a group of Levites in it. In fact, there were several cities that were just Levites. And those people were supposed to bring the law to the everyday common peasant day to day, where the priests would only see the people on feast days in Jerusalem. So that there are these four groups that are, are those who are responsible for the mess that uh, they're all in. Uh, the priests who in, in the in the temple don't do the ceremonies correctly. The prophets who don't bring the, the word of the Lord uh, to uh, to the people. The temporal rulers who let everything go to pot, and those who are supposed to be teaching the law every day. Uh, what does it say in the New Testament about teachers? They will be judged more. Yes, they're judged. They're judged more strongly than those who are not teachers. And these four people are the teachers in in Israel. These four groups. Can I ask you a question? Sure. In verse eight, when it said, "Were they supposed to bring in teaching us the Gentiles, or was it strictly for the um, how did you?" Priest did not say. You were saying those who taught my word. Okay, I'm sorry. What are you what are you what are you referring to in eight? Yeah, no. Are they were they the ones that were supposed to teach? And they said teach others. Who were they supposed to teach? Well, they were supposed to teach, they were supposed to teach specifically. They were supposed to teach the chosen people. All of Israel oh. is meant to be a uh, sort of a, a um, object lesson about what uh, the people of God should look like and how God deals with His people. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Verse 9, uh, 9, 10, and 11. Oh, there we go. Um, Therefore, I will contend with you, declares the Lord, for with your children's and with your children's children I will contend. Hmm. For cross to the coast of Cyprus and sea, or send to Kedar uh, and examine with care. See if there has ever been such a thing. See if has a nation ever changed its gods, even though they aren't gods. But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly devastated, declares the Lord. For my people have, have committed two evils. 
They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken system, cisterns that can hold no water. Okay. Bunch of stuff in there. First of all, this is a... Um, This is a formal complaint, and it's written actually in, in fairly uh, typical legal language. The This is almost like God is bringing them to trial. Okay, this is a legal thing. Uh, and this formal complaint is that, what is this formal complaint? That the people have done two evil things. Right. Okay. Two charges against them as a people. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, what's next? Well, I mean, what are the two charges? Joy, you have it. I guess not. Okay, so yeah. they worship some other gods. Yes, right. They've gone after other gods, but there's another one. There are two of them. That's only the first yeah. part. Okay, they've they've committed idolatry. But what else is God complaining about? They have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water. Okay. What does, that, what does that mean? They have abandoned God. Not only have they turned away and gone, they have started doing idolatry, but they have essentially abandoned God. Notice this, this, there's, a, there's this picture of water which shows up in the Old Testament and in the New in, in, in spades, essentially, about water. God is the source of water. And of, of water in the Middle East and in its desert is, is equal to life. God is the source of living. Right. God is the source of life. They mm -hmm. have, instead of building a cistern in themselves to save this water, to hold it, they have built cisterns that can't hold water. They crack. A cistern is basically a big... Uh, a big underground room where you can leave water. That's all it is. And that was what they depended upon. In the rainy season, they'd fill up. In the dry season, they would um, use that water. So their cisterns are cracked. They can't hold water. They, they cannot hold this living water because, A, the water itself is no good. It's not real. But, B, it, it, they can't even hold it because they have abandoned God. Um, how do we abandon God? By being self-righteous. Okay, well, okay, that's one. Turn away from his laws, his commands. Okay, how do we be, how do we forsake God? We we for we deliberately forget about the relationship we have with him. Okay, we forget. I'm sorry, Victor, you got garbled there. I don't know why. Oh, someone else was talking. Oh, I said they invent their own world and do it their way. That's all. Oh, that was Steve. Okay. okay Steve. How do we do that? How do we forget God? I mean, you know, this is for us, and, you know, we need to, to understand. Um, there is, I think the first thing, in all honesty, is a loss of awe. All right, we don't have awe what he has done. 
Then we forget God by not praying to him, by not talking to him, by not worshiping him. Uh, then um, in, in the Old Testament, one of the ways we forget or abandon God is we don't take care for the poor. Oh, that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's Old Testament. We don't mm -hmm. care for the poor. Mm -hmm. That's how we abandon God. Yeah, then we have a heart loss. Mm. Our heart is no longer attached to God. Then we have a sense of loss of all. We forget God. We forget in terms of worshiping him, of speaking to him, of praying to him every day, of reading his word. We don't care for the poor. And all that leads to a heart of stone, a heart loss. And that's that's mm. what he's talking about here. Okay. Mm. All right. Any comments, difficulties? Well, you know, just well, jump I in. Didn't know. I never thought of that. What this this abandoning uh, God is that you don't do it for the poor. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, it is that is a big big thing in Old Testament. If you don't care for the poor, you have abandoned God. You have forgotten about God. Isn't oh. that like a staple throughout the scripture that it's uh, not taking care of the poor and the widows? Right. That's pure religion, or somewhere pure, it's yeah. that. Yeah, in, but in, in, in Zechariah, they get in trouble for that. Right. James. Amos says, what is what do you have to do? And one of the things is take care of the poor. Take care of the poor. Yeah. But they always couple the widows with that. Is that because right. they are abandoned themselves in that kind of a society? Well, and in general, in, in the old in the old testament and in New Testament time, widows are in poor were pretty much the same class. I mean, they're you know, the poor, the widows were a subclass of the poor. If you're a widow, you have no support. You right. You know, okay. Mm -hmm. Got it. All right. Infidelity of Israel. Is, you know, we go through this. 14. 14. Mm -hmm. Is Israel a slave? Is he a homeborn servant? Why then has he become a prey? The lions have roared against him. They have roared loudly. They have made his land a waste. His city are his cities are in ruins without inhabitants. Moreover, the men of Memphis and of Taphanus have shaved the crown of your head. Have you not brought this upon yourself by forsaking, that word again, the Lord your God, who when he led you in the way? And now what do you gain by going to Egypt or drink the waters of the Nile? Or what do you gain by going to Assyria to drink the waters of the Euphrates? Your evil will chastise you and your apostasy will reprove you. Know and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God. The fear of me is not in you. Okay. Um, first of all, there's a bunch, again, there's a bunch of things we need to talk about here because it's, it is Old Testament. You have to get into culture. It makes this difference between a house-born slave and bought. Okay. Um, any idea what slave. that is? A house-born slave versus one who is bought. House-born mm -hmm. slave versus one who is bought. No. All right. A house-born, a, a, well, you know, in, in you could be a slave two ways in uh, in ancient times. You could be uh, captive in war. Uh, you could go to jail. You could be a debtor. 
You know, they didn't have debtors' prisons. They didn't have very many prisons that, or any, almost no prisons. Uh, but if you were a debtor, if you owed, if you owed the bank, you know, eight million dollars and you couldn't pay, they could, you know, in these days you could be basically working the bank, you know, for free. So that's what you know, a debtor could become a slave, uh, or you could actually sell yourself. Uh, you could say, you know, I can't afford, I can't keep my, I can't make a living, I can't do this. So you know what? You're pretty prosperous. I'll be your slave. Just take care of me. Okay, that's that was one of the other, that was the ways you became a slave. The other way was this: if your parent, if your parents were a slave, born into the household, you were a slave. Okay, so what there, what 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 he's saying here is that is Israel a slave? Were you captive? Were you a debtor? Where did you sell yourself, or were you houseborn? All right. Sure. What he's saying is, he's, he's, this is both classes of slavery brought in, and the answer—it's a rhetorical question—and it's no. Israel really not a slave; it's free and under God, and it has made itself a slave. Um, and how they said your cities have become waste. The men of Memphis and Tephanus, which are in Egypt, uh, have shaved your crown of your head. Why did you go to Egypt to drink the waters of the Nile? Why did you gain go to Assyria, drinking the waters of the Euphrates? At this time, politically, Judah was alternating alliances between Egypt to the south and Assyria to the north in order to stay more or less, not free and independent, but more or less safe. And sometimes if Egypt was in power, they went to Egypt. If, if uh, Assyria was in power, they went to Assyria. Babylon's in power, they go to Babylon. They seem to bounce around. Not realizing the danger of this because each of these nations are in competition themselves. So if they align with Egypt and something happens to Egypt, they're going to go down. If they align with Israel, if they align with Assyria and that goes down, they're going to go down. So what he's saying here is you should align yourself with me. Don't align yourself with those other things. Don't even think about it. Align yourself with me. Because this alignment brings about the problems of apostasy, the problems of idolatry because all these influences. Um, now, in, in 15 and 16, um, well, excuse me, your, uh, 19, your evil will chastise you and your apostasy will repute, uh, reprove you. Know and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God. The fear of me is not in you. This idea that you don't have awe of me, you don't have fear of me. When you see the word awe, uh, is some translated fear, because awe is the fear of the Lord. So you no longer have awe of God. You no longer fear Him. You no longer really understand who He is and what He can do. And God can punish sinful people he can punish it by nature he can punish it by other uh, by nations he can do all that he can do it uh and the sufferings that you're going to have are from willful disobedience oh dr p may i interrupt a little bit here of course um, the, the word drinking water that's what caught my attention drinking water from the nile and drinking water from the euphrates from the assyrians right right yep um, um it has a lot to say about the water here is, you know, false hope. Right. You know, false encouragement. You know, it only feels as though they're helping you, but they're really not helping you. You're still thirsty. 
right. for help. You know, you're looking for help from somewhere else and you're getting this order thinking it's okay, but it's not. You know, and uh, it's false, false hope they, they're receiving from all these people. That's right. And it's, it's who do you have faith in? See, drinking water, uh, drinking water, uh, that has, that's a metaphor for subservience. Okay. Drinking water. Yeah. See, drinking somebody's water is subservience. If you, if you, yeah, if you drink the water of Assyria, basically you're saying, because remember, water is, again, this is a precious commodity. Yeah. yeah. So drinking the water means that I am, uh, I am um, relying upon you for life. I am relying upon you for my existence. So it's subservience. So that's, that's the, the, the meaning of that term to the people who are reading this. If I'm drinking the water of the Euphrates, I am putting myself under the under the, the care and under the, uh, the power of the Assyrians. If I'm drinking water from the Nile, I'm putting myself under the care and power of the Egyptians. But what God is saying is, no, no, you should put your, your you should put your faith in, in me and I will give you substance i will give you subsistence and i will give you life and i will give you victory and i will give you goodness and i will give you a promised land that is full of of, of, of honey. Milk and honey milk and honey right and apostasy does carry a high price um you see this you know in verse 19 I, your evil your evil will chastise you you know god doesn't say i will chastise you your evil what you're doing will cause you harm. Right. Uh, now, he does use nature. He does use people to do that. But it basically comes down to your own evil that is causing this harm to you. Um, you fear not, in, and the fear of me is not in you. Hmm. Uh, and the cause of this suffering is this behavior, what they are doing. Verse 20, for long ago, I broke your yoke and burst your bonds, but you said, I will serve you. Yes, on every high hill and every green tree, you bow down like a whore. And you and I planted you a choice vine, holy of pure seed. And then you have turned degenerate. And be, how then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? Though so you wash yourself with lye and use much soap. The stain of your guilt is still before me. This, this, this stain of guilt. This, there is a, uh, there is your behavior causes your personality to change. They have this stain of guilt, and even though you've broken this bond, uh, you've broken a bond with God. You, God breaks the bonds of Egypt, and He, uh, but Israel is saying, "I will serve you." You bow down like a whore. That is that is idolatry, prostitution. That is that common image. Uh, and then what happens? Their behavior causes something to change. Instead of a pure seed, they become a wild line. Hmm. Their personalities have changed. Hmm. Their how they act and what they do and who they actually are has changed. There's something. It's 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 that their behavior causes something inside to change. Okay, what he's saying is that your heart 
you do, what you do causes your heart to change and your personality changes. You're thinking. And what happens is that you have this spiral. You know, you behave badly, your heart changes to the worse. You behave that, therefore, you behave worse, and then your heart changes to the worse, and you behave worse, and your heart changes to the worse, and down and down you go into this death spiral, basically, all the way to the end. And no matter what you do from the outside, you can wash with soap, you can do all this stuff, but the stain of guilt is still there. Yes, Steve. This is a very strong language coming from God. You would expect something very bad to happen to them right after this. Well, it will, but again, there is this thing we will call, we will talk about on many occasions. Okay, it's called the sorry, it's called the prophetic present. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm squeezing the pen and hitting the button. Um, okay, prophetic. Okay, present. Uh, this is a very common, it's very common in the Old Testament in prophecy. The prophet will, will say something as if it's as already happened or is happening now and when it's supposed to be happening in the future. So this, this strong language points to a future problem, even though it is written in the present tense. Uh, that is a very common, we'll talk about this, we'll talk about this all the time, prophetic present tense. Say what it means again? It means that a prophet will say, Jerusalem is destroyed, and he'll say that 30 or 40 years before Jerusalem is destroyed, okay. as if it already happened. Okay, that's that's the kind of, uh, of way of speaking for the prophets, and it reflects the fact that God is outside of time. Uh, and for God, the future has already happened, or it's happening now, actually. So uh, past, present, and future don't mean anything to God. So the prophets, when they're speaking God's word, will often say things that sound like they're happening now, but really are happening in the future. Okay? okay? Yes. Okay. So behavior leaves this uh, mark on personality, um, and you become... Um, you become more untamed, you become um, uh, really a, a strange, strange things happen to you. Now, these, uh, the next things would make sense, uh, 23 to 25 makes sense to somebody who is um, 23 to 25, agriculturally based, a farmer, but it may not make sense to us, so we'll try to get through it. How can you say, I am not unclean? I've not gone after the balls. Look at the way at your way in the valley. Know what you have done. A restless camel running here and there, a wild donkey sniffing the wind. Who can restrain, restrain her lust? None who seek her need weary themselves. In her mouth they will find her. In her month they will find her. Keep your feet from going unshod and your throat from thirst. But you said, it is hopeless. So I have loved foreigners, and after them I will go. Hmm. What he's talking about here are um, uh, donkeys and camels in heat. Okay? Um, when, when these animals are in heat, they just basically are looking for the meat. And this is a very, this is a sexual image, which God uses a lot in, in, in the Old Testament, marriage, prostitution, uh, whores, all these temple prostitutes, and even the animals he uses 
These are animals in heat that are, are basically lusting after a mate and they're looking everywhere for a mate. The donkey is sniffing the wind to, keep, to smell a male coming and they'll run to the camels and do the same thing. Uh, so this is this is the image. You're basically it's telling you you're like a dog in heat. You're going after anything that's that's walking. Uh, you you want want to go away from me so much that you just lust after everything possible. Uh, he's really talking about their depraved depravity and their uh, and their and their their need to go against God to break this covenant marriage that they have with God. So this is like a progression, right? Um, okay, thirty to twenty-five. All right, twenty-six. A thief is shamed when you're when he's caught. <coughs> Excuse me. As a thief is shamed when caught, so the house of Israel will be they, their kings, their officials, their priests, and their prophets. Note that's the same four groups. Right. Right. Okay. Same four groups. Uh, and try and say to the tree, you are my father, and to a stone, you gave me birth. For they have turned their back to me, and but not their face. But in the time of trouble, they say, arise and save us. They've turned their backs to God, right, by going to the stone, by going to the, to the, the, the wooden idol. These are idols, the stone and piece of wood. Uh, and they, they, they go to the temple and pray to God. But at the same time, they're turning their backs on him by doing this idolatry. And they're fleeing not to God, but they're fleeing to, uh, to their useless idols. So that even the shame of the realization is not helping them. The shame of their realization is, is, is really useless because they don't turn to God and say, oh, what we're doing is wrong. Help us, Lord. No, they're going to the idols and saying, help us. Okay. All right. <clears throat> But where are the gods that you where are we now? 28? Where are you? Where are your gods that you made for yourself? Let them get up if they can save you in your time of troubles. For as many as your sisters, your cities are your gods, Judah. So they're not just simple one, one, one off on God, you know, a God. They're 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 you know multiplying your gods and all of it. Uh, why do you contend with me? You have transgressed against me, declared the Lord. Um, this why do you contend with me, I think, is the people saying, why is God doing this? Why is God, you know, talking about this? And God is saying to him, you have sinned against me, declares the Lord. Huh. In vain have I struck your children, and they took no correction. Huh. Your own sword devour, devoured your prophets like a ravening lion. What does that mean? Okay. First of all, in pain I have struck your children, they took no correction. What is the what is the proverb? Uh, father like child. No, that's not the Bible. The rod of the rod of spares the rod, spoils the child. That's in scripture, yes. The rod of correction. Rod of correction. You need a rod of correction, but they don't even listen to that. I have struck your children. They took no correction. Your own sword devours the prophets. What does, what does that, that mean? mean? Yeah, what does that mean? Your own sword. You yourself have killed your prophets as a lion kills its prey. Look, they, the tongue that destroyed their own prophets. And yeah. Right. Well, they, 
they literally and figuratively destroy their prophets. You know, they and we'll see Jeremiah has a tough life. They don't kill him, but it, it comes close. But Isaiah was sawn in half. Uh, other people died. A lot of the prophets were killed because, um, well, one of my favorite quotes is uh, is from uh, uh, Blaise Pascal in the Pensies. Uh, he says, um, when everybody is heading downhill towards the, the depravity, no one knows how fast they're going until someone comes along and says, wait a minute, and stands as a, as a, as a reckoning point. It, it, it's kind of uh, the 16th century way of saying, you know, when you're in a train, you're in another train's next to you, and, and, and all of a sudden you see the train next to you moving, Sometimes it's hard to tell if that's yeah. moving or, you know, it's that's relativity. Okay. And what he, that's what Pascal is saying. When everybody's going downhill, you don't notice it until someone stands up and says, stop. This is your, I'm the fixed reference point. Yeah. And that's the prophet. And people don't like that. They don't like to realize they're going downhill into depravity. So they get rid of the reference point and they just keep going. So this is this, is this idea that, uh, the prophets, because they stood out and said, look, show people where they're going, and people don't like that, that they react to it and give the prophets a hard time, if not murdering them. We will see another prophet who is murdered, uh, who is also preaching very similar to Jeremiah, who was murdered during this, uh, during this uh, time period. This time period? Mm -hmm. so Jeremiah, will, it'll, be, it'll be in here. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. found that, um, you know, People don't like to be corrected when it comes to the truth. I like to remain in that darkness. And uh, it's, it boggles my mind all the time. You, know, when you show them the truth, but they, they're not really, really... What do you think that is? What do you think that is? It's, it's the darkness that's inside. The darkness can't comprehend the truth, so they're afraid. Right. Mm, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. They're comfortable in there where they are. And don't want to change. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. It's fear. It means that you have to what? To change. change. I'm sorry, it's my math. Delta means change. <laughs> you have to change. You have to discipline yourself. And what does change mean? Discipline, right? You have to change. You have to discipline. Yep. But what that means is conversion. Right? You have to change. You have to become, in our New Testament time frame, born again. I think it's also um, the penetrating of the mind that is going to be a lot of the problem, which is why people don't like to change. They have things set in their mind and their... Mm -hmm. Actions follow from what they have latched onto in their mind. And that's a huge mm -hmm. paradigm shift, you know. Because uh, to be honest with you, I know people that know the word and know what God is saying, but don't have a relationship with God and are unwilling to commit do favor to stay where they are you know and instead of accepting the truth you realize that I need to change it's just the same thing that's going on here in Jeremiah you know mm -hmm. to turn away from God and go get water from somewhere else that can't fill them up with broken systems that doesn't hold any water at all 
and their life is still empty and they're still in need and they're unhappy, miserable. Yeah, and that's and you're right, but it's not only in in uh, in in religious or faith things. You know, how many times have you said we've always had or heard people say, "No, we can't do that. We've always done it this way." All right, mm-hmm. people get into a rut. It's easy. It's comfortable. They get into this rut, and they get into this rut even in their behavior because as they're as they have challenged God, their behavior has changed, and they get into this rut of behavior yeah. of yeah. not doing something. Of not, you know, worshiping God, of not reading the scripture, of not studying the scripture, of not praying to God, of not talking to have conversations with him. Uh, it's all of this kinds of things that go on. It becomes a learned, uh, yep. a learned behavior, and that learned behavior is very difficult to break. You know, most psychologists will tell you that learned behavior is incredibly hard to break because it is learned. It's ingrained in you so that you can't stop doing it. It almost becomes a passion only. It's an obsession almost. Okay. Something, something puzzles, what this all brings out, something puzzles me to no end. From the beginning to the apocalypse, people say, well, I can't see God. I don't believe in this God I can't see. But the people in the apocalypse or, or even Adam's time, you're talking to God. There's no doubt about who it is. How can you still still stay there and defy this person you can see and, and believe that it is? I don't as to how hard the human head is. Very true. Uh, this is a statement. Yes. All right. It, it just puzzles me how, how possible, you know. Jesus just, says it. Even if someone raises, rises from the dead, right. they not believe. That's true. It's true. Right. They're not going to believe. That's a quote from Jesus. He said, even if someone rises from the dead, they will believe. Right. Right. That's right. We we believe what we want to believe. You know, this is this is, you know, the idea of of um that, you know, this is supposed to be a modern thing, uh, what we call post-truth. Uh, it's not postmodern anymore, by the way. It's post-truth. What we're in now. What we're in now is that it's post-truth, meaning the only truth is your truth. Only truth is my truth. You know, at my time, it may change in the next thirty minutes, but it's my truth. Okay, and that's what a lot of people. That's what this we are in this age at this point. It's not that your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. No, the only truth is my truth, and that can change tomorrow. You know, to add to that, Doctor Peter, um, when I was in London, there, you know, I I met up with my brother that lives there, and uh, he doesn't believe in God. You know, he he locks his mind off, so. So I don't mention anything to him, like trying to tell him about God. I just tell him about what God did in my life. Mm-hmm. And I just give him the testimony of what wow, happened. Right. You know what I mean? Because I realize that if I'm going to say the Bible says, he's going to be very defensive. So I give him the testimony of everything mm-hmm. that God has done in my life. He's like, oh, interesting. I didn't know that. And I'm like, yes, this is what God has done. And you know, and then we are a liar otherwise. <laughs> but testimony has power in it, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's showing people that there's a there's an interaction between you and God going on. And you're not just throwing words at them. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay. Um 
Okay. Punishment of the nation comes next, verses 31. Uh, basically, the end. And you, O generation, behold the word of the Lord. By the way, you know, in all your Bibles, or most of your Bibles, when it says, when, it's, when the word Lord is used, it's used two different ways. It's spelled two different ways. The first way is this way, and the second way is this way. When it's this way, it could mean, you know, the guy who rules over you, the king. When it's all caps like this, that is how, um, when, when Hebrew, they wouldn't write the word, the name of God, Yahweh. Okay, they wouldn't do that. They would write the word Adonai. Uh, and that means Lord. So the translators, when they saw the word Adonai, they they when it substitutes for Yahweh, they would put this in, all caps. So every time you see all caps, it means Yahweh. All right. By the way, this is how you get this is how you get something very common. Um, if I take the consonants of Yahweh and I take the vowels of this. Okay, um, because when Hebrew is written, the uh, since about 200 AD, the vowels were written on the top line, and the, the excuse me, the consonants are written on one line, and the vowels on the line below it. They would write it by instead of saying Yahweh or Adonai, they would put Y W H, and then the vowels underneath A O I. And uh, what does that come out? Yahovah. So that's where we get the word Jehovah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Jehovah is a combination of these two things because of the way the Hebrews wrote it in the uh, Masoretic text in 200 AD. But that's a nice aside. Anyway, so anytime you see the Lord with all caps, that means Yahweh. That's his name. And you, O generation, behold the word of the Lord. Have I been a wilderness to Israel or the land of thick darkness? Why then do my people say, we are free. We will come no more to you. Can a virgin forget her ornaments? Again, this marriage thing. Or a bride her attire. You know, the, the, uh, uh, the bride's wedding gown is something very precious. It has all her, what, all the money that she's got in her diary, a dowry on her. It's, it's uh, a Middle Eastern wedding. Uh, they wear uh, the dowry on coins on their head and belt so that, you know, it's, they, it's something that's very, very important to them. And yet my people have forgotten me, days without number. How well you direct your course to seek love, so that even to wicked women you have taught your ways. And also on your skirts is found the lifeblood of the guiltless poor. Again, this need to carry and take care of the poor. You did not find them breaking in, yet in spite of all these things, you say, I am innocent. Surely his anger has turned from me. I will bring, behold, I will bring judgment, you to judgment, for saying I haven't sinned. How much you go about changing your way. You should be put to shame by Egypt as you were put to shame by Assyria. From it too, you will come away with your hands on your head. For the Lord has rejected those in whom you trust. 
and mm. you will not prosper by them. Okay. Mm. Jeremiah is a very emotional prophet. What he is, what these words are coming out is that he loves his nation and he loves the Lord. And there is this tension in Jeremiah between the two because uh, the nation has gone away from the Lord. So how does he love the nation, be a patriot, and love the Lord at the same time? And he, he has this problem. He's pleading for his country to, to repent. And they're saying, no, I don't need to repent. I haven't sinned. I haven't done anything. They are so down in the cycle of their behavior causing changes in their heart. They don't even see that their behavior is sinful. And, you know, there's a problem that Jeremiah is going to have to attack for the next 49, uh, to, yeah, 49 chapters. Okay. All right. So that's the end of chapter three, uh, chapter two. We'll pop, pick up in chapter three next week. Yes. We're not exactly moving rapidly through this. Even, even Steve Tomlinson does uh, two chapters a week, but he does have an hour and a half. So I, you know, I, I give him that. Anyway. Um, any final comments or sobering? It is a sobering book. It is a book that uh, calls to mind that God will repay those who sin and that God will punish those who sin. And we will talk about, you know, at some, you know, start going along the line. Why does he do this? How can he do this if he's a loving God? But we'll get into that because that also comes up. Uh, how can you be doing this thing for a loving God? That will come up. What shall, what shall we read? I'm sorry? What, are we, what is the assignment exactly? Uh, I try to read chapters three and four for next week. Okay. Okay. Uh, I will not give you a quiz, I promise, but chapter three and four. Okay. Uh, just also remember that three, well, two is, is somewhat, but three. And uh, large portions of three and large portions of four are poems. So there is everything that has a poem, metaphor, hyperbole, all this stuff that, that is in poems will be in these chapters because they are poems. Okay. All right. Let's end. Um, let me pray. Well, Lord God, we just thank you for this time, for the sobering account of those who have fallen away. Help us not forget you. Help us always to remember your presence, your, your beauty, and what you have done for us, and praise you for it. We thank you. Give us grace and peace. Gather us together on Sunday. Sunday. Um, is it Saturday? Yeah, Sunday. Sunday, okay. On Sunday to worship you together, we praise you and give you the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Amen. All right. Thank you all. Thank you. God bless everyone. Bless. Thank you. You're welcome. Now someone has to tell me to stop recording. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>